Hey folks, Preet here. We're following the latest developments in the criminal case against former President Donald Trump in Georgia. Several of Trump's co-defendants, including his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, are looking to transfer the case to federal court in Georgia. Meadows recently took the stand to testify at a hearing on the matter. Meanwhile, other co-defendants, including lawyers Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesebro, are looking to expedite the trial. Trump, however, would prefer to delay the proceedings and has asked the judge to sever his case from those co-defendants. In other news, a judge scheduled Trump's election interference federal trial in D.C. for March 2024, rejecting Trump's request to delay the trial until 2026. And a federal judge in D.C. ruled that Rudy Giuliani is liable for defaming two Georgia election workers for accusing them of committing election fraud. Joyce Vance and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing an excerpt from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So speaking of the Georgia trial, some, you know, it's, it's a little bit cumbersome and unwieldy, as we've said before, and as other people have said, there are 19 defendants. Everyone has different arguments. Everyone has slightly different particularized defenses. Some people want to go to federal court. Some people don't. Some people have the ability to go to federal court because they were federal officials. Some people don't. There's also the question of timing, which is probably the question that you and I get most often. When are the trials going to happen? Can they happen before the election? In what order are they going to happen? And with respect to Georgia, you have at least two defendants right now who have requested a speedy trial to begin as soon as, and it's kind of crazy when you think we're at September 5th right now, but scheduled to begin or asked to begin on October 23rd. Cheesebro, and I'm going to keep calling him Cheesebro, <laughs> and Sidney Powell of Kraken Lawyer fame have requested speedy trials and also separate trials. They want to be tried on their own. Let's talk first about the speediness of it. Does it make sense for a trial to happen that quickly? It seems sort of crazy, right? Fonnie Willis has asked the defendants to give her hard drives with a two terabyte capacity so she can uh, turn over discovery. That's a lot of stuff to go through between now and an October 23 start date. But look, Georgia law is, as we have discussed in the past, unusual in some regards. And here it is, too. It gives defendants the ability to demand a speedy trial. And if they make that demand, and Cheesebro and Powell have done that, then they have to have that trial, if not in this term of court, in, in the next one, which is why that trial date has been set where it's been set. It's about a week out from the end of that second term of court. And if the prosecutor fails for any reason— to commence trial in that period of time, then the charges against the defendant have to be dismissed. So maybe this is a game on their part. Maybe they are so concerned that they'll be convicted that they thought that calling Fonny's bluff was their only option here. She certainly does not look like someone whose bluff has been called. And I think it's certainly just speculation, but it seems to me that the amount of time that she took to indict between when she said indictments were imminent and when she actually sought them from the grand jury, that was time that she took so that she would be ready to go to trial immediately. And it looks like she is. I think that's what's going on here. Why does someone like Sidney Powell want to go to trial so fast, though? Do they think that the government's not ready? 
I think that has to be it. It's it's tough to think that you could put on. It's a weird bluff. It is. It's dangerous. I think that they can claw back, by the way, their speedy trial requests. And so we we may see that. And it may also be an effort to not sit at the defendant's table. With everyone else. With Trump. <laughs> yeah. She is separately making an argument to be severed from all the other defendants and be tried alone. But it seems to me that maybe you have a greater likelihood of that happening if you simultaneously seek a very quick trial that other people don't want to join in and also move to sever. And on the issue of severance, I mean, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of clarification of the record from the perspective of Sidney Powell's legal team where the lawyers argue, well, she didn't do all these things that people assume that she did. They say, among other things, she has no substantive connection with any other defendant regarding the charges in the indictment. She appears on no pleadings for Trump or the campaigns. She didn't do all sorts of things that people assume that she did. And they argue Ms. Powell can receive a fair trial only if she is tried alone. The prejudice that would inure to her from a lengthy trial with any of those she was not involved and about the vast number of events she had no knowledge of or connection with would deny her due process. So I don't know if this is an actual weakness in this very broad sweeping indictment that that encompasses and sweeps in so many people and so many different acts. But individual defendants can argue there are only, you know, a limited number of allegations with respect to them or their clients. And how can she be part of a conspiracy when she didn't know lots of these people? And Cheesebro says some of the same things with respect to Sidney Powell. He's never met her. He's never emailed with her. How could he conspire with her? How could any of these people have conspired with each other is the argument. Does that hold some water? Yeah, you know, welcome to the world of conspiracy law, civil lawyers. <laughs> I think in Sidney Powell's case, she's got a real problem here because prosecutors will play the videotape of Sidney Powell on stage with Rudy Giuliani and others at a press conference where Rudy Giuliani is talking about President Trump's legal team. And there's Sidney Powell standing next to Jenna Ellis, one of the other lawyers. And like Sidney Powell is grinning and, you know, waving at the awful, crowd. Here it's not I unlawful, am. Joyce, to grin or to stand up at a press conference, even with Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani. She did not send a letter or draft a letter to the Georgia officials. She did not make a phone call. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, I, I agree with you. She will make all of those arguments and they will fail. Every last one of them, because conspiracy agreements, you know, they're not contracts. You rarely get them in writing. Maybe you do in some cases. I have not had one of those cases. You have groups of people who agree, and they don't have to all be in the room together. And Sidney Powell is lined up with Rudy Giuliani and others of these lawyers. She's in some of these notorious White House meetings where these plans, including plans in Georgia, are discussed. She is in the thick of the mix. And I, you know, it's, as you say, not a specious argument. I'm, I'm not sure it's a lot better than specious, given the volume of documentary evidence that prosecutors will have of her active participation. Do you think she gets this trial on October 23rd? And do you think that the other defendants benefit from watching a trial unfold? You know, I would not want a trial that quickly if I was her or her lawyers. I would want time to prepare. If this is what she wants, God bless her. Yes, Fonnie Willis will have to spill some of her evidence, but I'm in the so what camp on that. I mean, she's going to turn over a lot of the evidence in discovery. The defendants will learn a lot about how she intends to organize it, 
and present her case and they'll, they'll be able to take her measure as a prosecutor. But if she gets an early conviction in either one of these cases, it will be incredibly valuable to her. For one thing, once these folks are convicted, they may lose their Fifth Amendment privilege. I say may because they it's entirely likely that they've still got exposure in federal cases, but they may decide that they want to cut deals and testify. So she may find herself better off as a result of this split. You know, a question people may have that requires some understanding of the rules of evidence is if you are alleging a conspiracy and the law on this has changed over time and it used to be very favorable to the government, you have 19 people charged with a conspiracy with each other, right? There's overlapping conduct. And one of the things you have to prove is, was there a conspiracy? And then whether or not, you know, particular members of the conspiracy, defendants in the caption are guilty or not. So you got one person going to trial early. That person gets convicted, right? Mm-hmm. At the trial of the next group of folks, you cannot admit into evidence or tell the jury that, well, you know, we've already proven the conspiracy existed because we've convicted somebody at a fair and full trial. So that part I have correct, right? That's against the law and against the rules of evidence. But is there some worry that some members of the jury may have paid attention uh, and that Voidir will not be able to eliminate some, you know, one or more people from already having a bias in favor of conviction because of the prior conviction of someone like Sidney Powell? Is that a yeah, worry? It is a worry. And there's a strategy for dealing with it. I think that you make sure that following Vordaer, once your jury is seated, that the judge instructs the jury, and as a prosecutor, it's your obligation to write this instruction for the judge and ask them to give it, that the judge advises them early and often that the evidence is the evidence that they hear in court and that they must set aside anything else that they're aware of. And, you know, I think it's appropriate for the judge to say, ladies and gentlemen, this is a public matter. There's been a lot of reporting. I'm sure that you've been some exposed to some of it, but whatever you may be familiar with that's happened in other cases, you must set aside and you must decide this case against these defendants based only on the evidence that you hear in this courtroom and the law as I instruct you on it. You get that obligation from the jurors, and I think as a prosecutor, you're good to go. They're going to still argue it on appeal, but at least in my circuit, as a prosecutor, you're going to win that argument so long as the instruction is clear and there's no evidence of misconduct by the jury. I should note at this point, just as I was hearing you speak and we've been talking about these various defendants who are both similarly situated and also differently situated, is how during the campaign and during the fight to undo the election, up to and including January 6th, they all were touting their closeness to the cause, how important it was, how they had volition in it and everything else. And now they're indicted. Like, who, me? I I didn't have my name on any pleadings. I had nothing to do with it. Or, in Mark Meadows' case, I was just doing as I was told by the commander-in-chief. And I think their their actions and their conduct and their rhetoric during the time in question will come back to haunt them. I think that's right. I mean, Sidney Powell, Jeff Clark, as a prosecutor— you're going to, you know, winnow through their television appearances on Fox News and OAN and whoever else they were on. And I think that you're going to condemn them with their own words. So, you know, Pre Fonnie Willis has now said to the judge, 
okay, you know, these couple of people, these couple of defendants want an early trial date. I want to try everybody together. So all 19 in October, let's go. Do you think she gets her way on that? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't, I don't think so. Look, everyone has, as we said, everyone has different interests. Everyone has a right to seek various things. Um, It's unclear to me how the pending removal motions will play out. I mean, I think it's Jeffrey Clark who's taken the position that it's premature even to set a trial date in state court in Georgia. And if if it is true, as has been suggested, and I think as, as we have suggested, that if one party, if one defendant succeeds in transferring the case to federal court, everyone goes to federal court. Why not wait until that is disposed of? But that's not how judges operate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible, but not entirely clear in my mind that they all go. But Jeff Clark is as wrong here as he is on every legal issue that he seems to have publicly considered during his his involvement in the big lie, because the reality is that the statute explicitly gives the state court the ability to go forward. In fact, the state judge can even hold a trial. The only thing that they can't do is enter judgment against a defendant before the federal judge rules on the removal issue. And Judge Steve Jones in in federal district court in Atlanta, who's considering the removal petitions, he even acknowledged that because Mark Meadows wanted to avoid arraignment. And Jones said, listen, you know, these are complicated issues. I may or may not have ruled by September 6th when you're set to be arraigned. And if I have not ruled, you are obligated to show up, Mr. Meadows. So I I think that it's pretty clear how that all works. So we spent most of this conversation talking about one, just one of four cases pending against Trump and others. And there's lots of complicating factors because there's so many people and there's so many counts and so many overt acts with respect to the Georgia state case. The other big case, probably the the other biggest case, is the federal D.C.-based January 6th case. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider. And try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. Do you want a career that meets you where you are and takes you where you want to go? Whatever your individual ambitions, motivations, and skills may be, discover your potential at Deloitte, right along with purpose-driven teams and a difference-making culture. Be seen for who you are and celebrated for what you bring. Discover your impact at Deloitte. Learn more at deloitte.com slash us slash discovercareers.